Design Guy, Episode 17. Design Guy here. Welcome to the show. This is the program that explores timeless principles of design and explains them simply. Now, we've spent some time trekking through that terrain known as the creative process. And on our way, we've looked at a few ideas that will help us to gear up for the challenges we can expect to face as we traverse our projects. Today, we'll bring the series to an end with some parting thoughts. But since this little excursion has been by no means exhaustive, you can expect that we'll dip into the general subject matter of creativity from time to time. And I encourage you to continue doing your own study in this area. At my webpage, which you can find at designguyshow.blogspot.com, I've posted show notes for each episode, and these include a bibliography of all of the books and other references that I've made during these programs. And at the end of today's talk, I'll also recommend a few of the programs that I enjoy and highly recommend for real-world insight into creativity. Now, if you've been with us from the start of the show, you'll remember that before we launched into this series on creativity, we discussed how design begins. And along those lines, we explored requirements gathering and also the discovery process that we undertake with our clients. Now, in those shows, I recommended that you keep your horizons broad as you prepare for the creative phase of your project. And this provided a natural segue into the series that we're wrapping up now, because the big idea was that we wanted to approach creativity without that heightened sense of constraints pressing down upon us. The early part of our project should be characterized by an open-minded brainstorming sensibility, where no idea is a bad idea. And this means that at least for a little while, we can indulge ourselves in a bit of fantasy. To use a filmmaker's analogy, we can allow ourselves to think like Steven Spielberg for a while, even if we've only got a Kevin Smith budget. And this exercise in thinking big safeguards us from aiming too low on our projects or assuming that we can't pull off great results with very little resources. And if you remember the design adage, less is more, this makes even more sense, and it should encourage us to make the most of our little projects by always thinking big, by always thinking of their possibilities. Now, as we get deeper into the design phase, we necessarily have to allow reality to inform our open-ended brainstorming. The facts of life being what they are, we're going to have to design in a way that jibes with the resources that we've got to work with. And this brings up the subject of constraints. And what are constraints? Constraints, simply put, are limitations. Just like the picket fences in our yards, constraints are the boundaries that we've got to live within. The good news, though, is that we navigate constraints and adapt to them all the time with minimum thought or energy expended. This holiday season, I doubt many of us will buy a 13-foot Christmas tree if we've only got an 8-foot ceiling in our living room. On New Year's Eve, we can hope that our celebration will be constrained by a personal drinking limit so that we can all drive home safely after the party. A lot of this kind of stuff is just built in. It's common sense. In our projects, there are all kinds of limitations that we need to factor in, and some of them are intuitive and don't require much thought. But others require detailed attention and planning. Of course, the one constraint we all face is time, because there's a limit 
to how long we can work on our project, especially if there's a paying customer waiting at the end. And so we'll likely draw up some kind of schedule to measure and meet out the time that we've got. And if we're to be profitable, we've also got to stay within a budget. So clearly there's a money limit too. But the other broad area of constraint that we've got to be cognizant of is that of our format and our media. If we're print designers, there's only so many colors we can reproduce with CMYK process inks. And there's only so much quality we can expect out of uncoated papers. So maybe we should use that one color logo for that display ad we were going to put in the newspaper. And if we're new media designers, we have to content ourselves with limited typographic control. At least for this present age of limited screen resolution and inconsistent browser support and other limits, we have to content ourselves with a sort of macro typography instead of the micro typographic control that we've enjoyed in the realm of print. Or we're going to have to compress our media assets more than we'd like to in order to fit them within bandwidth limits. So constraints are limits. Constraints confine us. Constraints are the ceilings that we bump our heads on. Or at least this is one way to think about them. On the other hand, we can make our peace with constraints. We can look for opportunities within our limitations. In one of Hillman Curtis's books on flash design, written at the dawn of this whole flash web design era, he spoke of the transcendent principle of embracing constraints. Rather than bemoaning the fact that you can't fit 100 pounds of design into a 10-pound design bag, you can change your perspective. You can embrace your constraints. You can look at the possibilities of your chosen format and medium and plan accordingly. And when you do this, a wonderful thing happens. You stop making the mistakes that all of the hacks make. You stop trying to make your format do things it was never intended to do. You stop trying to push your medium so far that all the user sees are its inherent weaknesses. A timely example of this principle are these movies that attempt to recreate authentic-looking human beings using CGI. The more they push for this goal, this holy grail of replicating human beings in a movie, the more they risk falling into what some have coined the uncanny valley, which is that point where 3D models look pretty human, but they also look creepily unreal at the same time. And this is an example of pushing a medium a bit too far, of not living within your means, so to speak. So go for economy. Remember that less is more, that you can have more impact with fewer things. Oftentimes, the more you add to your work in the way of design elements, the more you just begin to dilute the piece the more you introduce what designers refer to as extraneous elements. But if you embrace your constraints by putting 8 pounds of all those design goodies in your 10-pound design bag, then you'll have some room left over. You'll have breathing room for your work so that it can live and be vital and effective. So make friends with those limits. Scale your design accordingly and you won't have a sense of confinement anymore. You'll just have good design. Well, as I mentioned before, we'll move on from this creativity series now, but that doesn't mean our study has to end. So I want to recommend three programs that I highly recommend that you subscribe to and listen to because they explore creativity out there in the real world where the best and brightest tell the tale of their own journeys into creativity. 
The first is KCRW's The Treatment with Elvis Mitchell, which focuses mainly on filmmakers and writers and the design and thematic drivers of their projects. The second is PRI's Studio 360. And the third is The Accidental Creative. And just like this show, these programs avoid focusing exclusively on any one design discipline, but rather they speak to design in general as they explore the universal and timeless aspects of design that every creative encounters. That's it for today. I want to thank you again for listening, and I look forward to having you back again. But before I go, I'd like to plug my new voicemail number once more, which you can use in order to add your voice to this discussion. I'd love to hear from you and to add your recorded remarks to a future show. But you've got to make that call at 206-350-6748. And until next time, this is Design Guy. I wish you well.